as we go into Advent is called Light in the Darkness. And this is going to be a series through different psalms as they kind of help us to guide our heart's attention towards hoping in the Lord, seeking the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. And tonight we'll talk about waiting in the Lord. Um, the verse that kind of encompasses this theme is John 1.15, and it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I love this reminder that this verse gives us, that even in the midst of the darkest times, right, we, we associate with darkness just sadness and maybe loss and just so much brokenness that we have in our world, that even though there is that, that it will be overcome by the light. And the light is Jesus. He is the light of our world. And he is just coming to save us in this Advent season as we remember what he did in the past, what he does in our lives now, and what he's going to come and do again in the future. And so I'm going to pray for us before we get into the passage, and we'll get started. Jesus, I just pray as we enter your word and we enter this time, um, God, that you would just be moving in our hearts. God, show us, show us what you have for us to learn, God, in this season of Advent. Help us to wait for you in hope and in joy as you come into the world, as we remember how you came and how you will come in the future, God. And I pray all of this in your name. Amen. So before we get into the passage really quick, I wanted to talk about what Advent is, because I feel like sometimes we just say this word, and you know we know what we do at church during Advent, but we might not really know what it exactly means. And Tommy's been kind of going through this if you've been in the service on Sunday, but I kind of wanted to reiterate some of those things again. So Advent is a Latin word that actually means coming or arrival, and it's about celebrating and anticipating the coming of the Messiah, who is Jesus. We do this by remembering and celebrating how he came in the past and how he will come again in glory and majesty. He first came in the form of a man, born in a manger, as we often hear, in the most unexpected of circumstances, and then he went on to live a sinless life, to die the death that we deserve so that we can be redeemed and saved from our sins. And we remember and celebrate this past coming in the season of Advent, as well as the future coming of Jesus, how he will return to defeat Satan once and for all, to restore us, his people, and restore his kingdom. And this is not only the good news of the gospel, but this is what Advent is all about. And so, again, before we get into the talk, I kind of wanted us to um, think about things that we anticipate. So I want you to raise your hands and tell me, what is something that you are either currently or in the past have been excited about or anticipated the coming of or the arrival of or just something that you were going to be doing? Raise your hands and tell me. Yeah. My big brother's dead. What are you? Christmas. Christmas? What do you have for me? Day you found your charger for your phone. Nice. What else? What do we anticipate? What do we get excited about? Going on school break. Say it louder. Trip to Florida. Skiing. Nice. Yes. Getting to see our family. Yeah. 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 Nice. Getting a brand new game. Yeah, these are great. Yeah, I have one example that's kind of fun to share, and we'll watch a short video to hear about it. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! 
Santa here? I know him. I know him. Nice. All right. So what was Elf anticipating? Santa coming, right? Yeah, yeah. He was very excited. He's screaming more than I think I've ever screamed about anything. Um, yeah, so if we were to continue watching this movie, we see that this joy that he has in this scene, does it really last? Not really, does it? Yeah, and so when we think about our own life, when we think about these things that we shared, the joy and anticipation that we have in those things, it ultimately ends up falling short when we think about something else that we want to do. When we find something that we think might be better to desire, or we lose interest in a new game or a new thing that we've been given. But what we're going to learn in this season of Advent and from the Psalms is that Jesus is the only gift that we can anticipate where the joy and excitement will last forever. Waiting on the Lord and anticipating his arrival brings hope and joy that lasts. That's the big phrase for tonight. Waiting on the Lord and anticipating his arrival brings hope and joy that lasts. And so we'll get into Psalm 130 tonight, um, the whole Psalm, verses 1 through 8, um, as we look to see what God has to teach us about waiting. Starting at verse 1, it says, Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And so throughout the week as I was reading this passage, I noticed kind of three stages that this psalmist kind of gives us as we learn about how to wait for the Lord. And so these three stages I saw was crying out to God in verses 1 through 2. Secondly, confessing and knowing we are forgiven in verses 3 through 4. And then waiting for the Lord through hope in verses 5 through 8. And so we're going to go through each of these and kind of see how the psalmist can teach us um, in this season of anticipating Christ. Um, So starting with crying out to God, I'm going to read verses 1 through 2 again. It says, Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. So as God's people first awaited the coming of the Messiah, crying out to God was a form of repentance, an act of surrender to God. You see, Jesus hadn't yet come and died on the cross yet when this was written, and therefore their redemption was not yet sealed, but they had heard of it in the word of God that the Messiah was going to come and would bring healing and the saving of their souls. And in their waiting, they cried out to God. And if you notice the language in these two verses, it's really raw. It's a very honest prayer. It's not really sugar-coated with fancy words. They don't reference Old Testament scriptures in it. It's just like somebody had hit rock bottom, and they're like just pleading with God, saying, be here, be with me. And I know that the author knew that he needed God's help, and he's surrendering himself before the Lord in crying out. So I was interested to think about this in my own life And I invite you to think about it in your own life, too. Um, Yeah, that I feel like when I think about crying out, far too often I just don't. I think I can do it in my own strength. 
I think I see other people who are strong and are doing the same things that I feel like I'm weak at and compare, and I say, well, they're doing it, so I should be able to do it. Instead of coming and surrendering and saying, God, I need your help to do this. And so I feel like this phrase that came is that the act of crying out is a posture of surrender that awakens our heart to the majesty of his past and future advent or coming. You see, in those moments when I don't cry out, it's because I think selfishly that I can do it. Instead of remembering that God is more holy and more perfect than I am and knows better, I think I can do it, but in reality, we have to rely on God. And so it's a posture of surrender that reminds us that he came um, during this Advent time and as we look to the future. God really desires us to rely on his strength, and he also just loves to hear us cry out to him. He's a God who loves us, and he wants to hear our pleas. And we can have confidence that when we cry out, he will hear us. And when there is no more pain and no more tears, we won't have to cry out to God. We think towards this future advent when this will be true, where we will be fully healed and fully loved and rest with the Lord forever. But in this time where that hasn't yet happened, we get this opportunity to cry out to God. And so I invite you to think about in your own life, what does it look like to cry out to God? How would this help you to wait and anticipate the coming of the Messiah? And how does this orient our heart back to Christ in this Christmas season? Secondly, in this passage, I saw that we can confess and know that we are forgiven. In verses 3 through 4, it says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So in this next section, the psalmist first writes a prayer of confession in verse 3. And then it's followed by this assurance of forgiveness. And I love that. He says again, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? In other words, the psalmist is saying, my iniquities, my sins are so great that I could not stand before you, God. God is a God of justice. And because he is so just, he can't be in the presence of sin. And so if our iniquities weren't forgiven, we couldn't stand in the presence of him without a consequence, right? But because he sends Jesus, as verse 4 says, there is forgiveness. Because Jesus takes on the consequences we should have had to endure on the cross. He carries the weight of our sin and the whole world so that we could live in fellowship with him. He wanted to be in fellowship with us. And so we can confess and know we're forgiven and God's nature is forgiveness, and he wants to lavish this upon us. And I, I thought about, I was reminded of the talk that Brett gave um, the couple weeks ago about the prodigal son and how this is, this is what we receive when we confess and know we're forgiven. It's, it's that act like the father welcoming us home with a big party, with joy, even though we went and squandered all of God's money or all of God's um, desires for our life, that he welcomes us back when we confess and we can know we're forgiven and that he's waiting with open arms to receive us. So my questions for this section for us to think about is how can we better practice confessing to God and live in the truth that we are forgiven? And how can this assurance of forgiveness bring peace to our weary souls? And so finally, as we look at this passage, we see in verses 5 through 8 that he talks about waiting for the Lord and doing that through hope. Verses 5 through 8 say, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. 
O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So this last principle of anticipation within Advent is that we can actually wait for the Lord and do it in hope. I know when I think about waiting in my own life, it's not always a very pleasant thing to think about. We don't really like waiting usually. It's hard to have patience. It's hard to know the outcome of waiting when we're waiting to hear back if we got on a sports team or waiting to hear back if we got into the college we wanted to get into. But when we read verse 5 again, we see that God gives us a tool to help us in the midst of waiting. It says again, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. The word that's referred here is not only God's word, but God as the word. It says in John 1.1 that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when it says in his word I hope, it's not only referring to having hope from what the written word of God says about the Messiah coming, but also hope in God as the word. Again, the Messiah hadn't yet arrived yet when this psalm was written, but he has come for us today and will come again. And so we can learn from this that hope is what empowers our waiting. It gives purpose to our waiting and it shows the beauty of our waiting. I'll say that again. Hope is what empowers our waiting, gives purpose to our waiting, and shows the beauty of our waiting. And as we wait for his future coming, we can wait like watchmen. The passage talks about how we can wait more than watchmen for the morning. A watchman was somebody who would stand at the gates of a city or a dwelling, and he would stand there all night to make sure that the city was safe, and it would be his job to handle any enemies that came. And he would anticipate the morning coming because he would know that if he saw morning come, that it had been another night that was safe. And so the psalmist invites us to wait for the Lord like these watchmen who know that the dawning of a new day will bring us sinners from darkness to light, from the chains of sin to freedom. And we can wait in hopeful anticipation for what God is going to do in our daily life, but also what he will do when he comes again. And the psalmist also tells us what the outcome of waiting will be and is in Christ. In verse 7, it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. The free gift of God coming as Christ is that he offers us steadfast or abundant, never-ending love, and he offers us plentiful redemption. When we are redeemed, it means that we were set free from bondage to someone or something by a price being paid. And that price was Jesus coming and taking upon the cross our sin, our shame, and bringing light and life to all of humanity. And so as we enter into Advent, we can look to the psalmist's invitation to anticipate the coming and the arrival of Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas Day, but also the future arrival of his second coming. And we can remember that truth that I said earlier, that waiting on the Lord and anticipating his arrival brings hope and joy that lasts. And so some questions we can be asking ourselves now and throughout the Advent season are, how am I or how could I wait for the Lord? Is my gaze on the anticipation of Christ this holiday season, or is my heart focused on other longings and desires more deeply than the Lord? And how does the hope of Christ strengthen our waiting? You guys will get to answer some of these in small group 
in just a couple minutes. But before that, I want to have a time of prayer, and I want to do it a little bit differently. Um, I want us to be able to pray like this psalmist prays. And so I'm going to start us, but then I'm going to leave a little space for you guys to be able to pray a prayer like this, to conf- or to cry out, to confess and know you're forgiven, and then to ask God to help you in the waiting. And then after a little bit of time, I will close us. So join me in prayer and take some time to pray out loud or in your head quietly. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you have to teach us in this season. This is such a beautiful season of reminders of who you are and what you have done in our life and what you will do. And so God, I pray that as we cry out and we confess and we wait, that you would strengthen us and help us. Lord, we cry out and we confess and we wait in anticipation for you. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.